0: The fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com.
1: She is holding the book close to her body, carrying it home on the cracked sidewalk down the tangled hill. If a dog runs at her again, she will use the book as a shield. She looked hard among the long lines of books to find this one. When they start talking about money, when the day contains such long and hot places, she will go inside. An orange bed is waiting, story without corners. She will have two families. They will eat at different hours. She is carrying a book past the fire station and the five and dime. What this town has not given her, the book will provide. A sheep a wilderness of new solutions. The book has already lived through its troubles. The book has a calm cover, a straight spine. When the step returns to itself as the best place for sitting and the old men up and down the street are latching their clippers, she will not be alone. She will have a book to open and open and open. Her life starts here. Naomi Shabnai, because of libraries, we can say these things. A poem to start off I think is appropriate.
2: It's a gorgeous poem, and I'm so glad that you read it because I got so emotional (laughs) in the middle of it. We are broadcasting live at the Fabulous 413 at the grand opening of the brand new Greenfield Public Library. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. The dream of a new library for the citizens of Greenfield began over a decade ago in 2019, Uh, It it began over a decade ago, but in 2019, voters in Greenfield and the City
1: Council approved the project. They broke ground on the new library in August of 2021, and now less than two years later, the 26,800-square-foot building is open to
2: the public. Grand opening festivities began yesterday with a ribbon-cutting that was attended by the Lieutenant Governor, Kim Driscoll, the Mayor, Roxanne Wiedegardner, and the Beacon Hill delegation from the region, as well as hundreds and hundreds of community members who are excited about what this new building means for the city and for the surrounding towns.
1: Joining us to celebrate this new library is no stranger to books. He's the author and illustrator of the best-selling award-winning Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus series, the Elephant and Piggy series, the Nuffle Bunnies series, and is most famous for his appearance on episode 30 of The Fabulous 413. (laughs) He joins us as a special guest host for the day, Northampton's own Mo Willems. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank Thank you for joining us. And we are joined in the library
2: front conference room by a bunch of librarians and people that are here to observe the show. But Mo, thanks for volunteering to be our kind of guest co-host for this. I couldn't think of somebody better to be a part of a library broadcast than you. I
0: love libraries, and I have always say the most important word in a library is outside of it, and that is open. Uh,
2: yeah, and so this library is open. It's day two. It's already packed with people. It's still packed with people. Yesterday was even more packed with people. Our engineer Bart was here and <laughs> trying to get a glimpse of all the fun stuff that was going on, but let's... Talk first with the current library director, Ellen Boyer. Tell us about what the scene was like yesterday for this grand opening and what has been exciting in this the first few days of the brand new Greenfield Public Library.
3: Oh, boy. So the scene yesterday was um, chaotic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like but libraries way, way, are. Yeah.
3: But in a good way. Um, I don't think... I was going to say I don't think any of us expected that many people but I know I certainly didn't Um, but it was wonderful to see so many people here so many people excited to walk through the door of the library um, just to explore Um, and one of my staff members said to me this morning yesterday the Greenfield Public Library grew up Mm. and I think that's pretty much how I feel too. We went from the little house next door, which was built in 1797, which served as our public library for about 114 years, to this beautiful purpose-built new library. Um, it, we grew up.
2: And that might make a nice segue to talk about the why this library needed to happen. And it wasn't without its controversy over the last 10 years. And one of the people that was instrumental in bringing this project to fruition is uh, Ed Berlin, who is the co-chair of the building committee and the vice chair of the board of the trustees, uh, also led the Yes campaign for the library. And I, I know that we're a public radio station, and there are two sides to every story, and that there are people in Greenfield that uh, fought very hard against the library. However, the library exists. It is here now, and it was a hard-fought battle. Um, Ed, talk about why this library was something that the town of Greenfield needed to happen, as opposed to using the library next door that was, that was mentioned.
4: You know, I've worked for 11 years with hundreds of other people to get us to where we are today and had a vision of what I thought we could accomplish, but I'm truly overwhelmed by first the crowd, the size of the crowd yesterday, and the spirit of the crowd. There was so much joy and happiness. I don't recall ever in this city seeing that many people congregate together feel with such overwhelmingly good feeling. Secondly, going into the children's area or the teen zone and seeing what a good time these kids have, I mean, that's one of the... Biggest reasons we wanted to do this,
2: and the teen zone was created in part by teens, right?
4: There was a teen advisory committee, which m- our
2: engineer Bart's teen was a part of.
4: <laughs> these kids met. Full disclosure, yeah. These kids met for over a year, uh, came up with a list of things that they would have liked to have in that area, and then asked to meet with the head architect, who later said he had never met a group of young children, uh, kids who were that sophisticated and that organized. But as a result, uh, the window seat up there was not in the original plans and would never have been there if it weren't for the kids. And the seating in there and some of the colors, I'm going there today and just seeing kids in different corners doing different things. I mean, it just fills my heart.
2: And Mo, I got to walk with you very briefly while, <laughs> before you arrived through the, the children's section.
0: It's amazing. I I always love a children's section that is full of books and full of kids and has all of these different spaces. Uh, It's it's really a great great space, and I look forward to looking at it a little bit more. I actually is this good time?
2: Yeah, Mo has brought some swag for the Greenfield Public Library. New York Times best-selling author and illustrator. I figured you had a a lot of stuff.
0: I figured you had books, but you could always use more of my books. So all, all the pigeon He's marks, brought
2: all of the pigeon books bound.
0: Um, bookmarks for all the kids for the next year or so. <laughs> and then a poster that's really feels like advertising. But it's a, you it's can't a do it on any but you the, can do it at the it's library. It's the pigeon's driver's license. I'll sign this later. And then <laughs> I figured I've... We have a at the West Springfield uh, Public Library. We had a mural put up. I've done a lot of stuff with a lot of the other libraries, but I know that in this region you are probably the first library with a pigeon bobblehead. Go <laughs>
2: from the Brooklyn Cyclones, yeah. where they have a they've, they have like a Mo Willems Day. We do night. like a
0: Mo Willems Day uh, yeah. every. Pretty much every year that there isn't a pandemic, we try to have one. Yeah, it. they're uh, a the minor league clam. baseball team, the yeah. Brooklyn
2: Cyclones. Yeah. And the pigeon comes out, you get to like throw out the first pitch. I, I get
0: to throw out the, the uh, opening pitch to the grass in front of me. I don't think I've <laughs> quite gotten over the plate yet. Yeah, not but even. congratulations to you guys. I mean, this is super, super exciting. Uh, the vibe is great. And it obviously looks like a space that we'll be able to grow and adapt over time. And I just love that the first thing you see when you come in is the kids like that's the best
2: so. we're we're at the grand opening <laughs> of the new greenfield public library on main street in greenfield we have got a guest co-host for the uh, fabulous 413 today with mo willems and we were talking to the current librarian director library director Ellen boyer who will uh, has shepherded this project and will soon be transferring to a, a new librarian but um We've also got the children's librarian here.
0: Hooray. Um, not that I have favorite librarians, but...
2: Alan LaVoy.
0: I do love a children's librarian.
2: I'll also note for our listeners that we're, we're going to very shortly hear some music from the excellent Maeve Gilchrist, who will be playing at Antenna Cloud Farm in Gil tonight. The show is not canceled because of the rain. It has moved mm-hmm. indoors, and we're going to hear some live harp music inside this library uh, very shortly, but I thought that maybe the children's library director, Ellen Boyer, would might want. would like to ask want.
1: questions of Mo Willems.
5: <laughs> sure. I, I do want to say thank you so much for the sweet swag.
3: Sure.
0: <laughs> any Anytime you open a library, I promise, I'll bring you a to the It's a guarantee.
5: Your books go out all the time. City Council? <laughs> yeah. All even you today, do. <laughs> Even today, we had a request. Someone had an elephant and piggy book in their hand and said, where are the rest of them? Where are more of them? Oh, I that's was able great. to to find two more, but uh, thank you so much. Well, you know, a
0: book doesn't work unless it's being read. So I really appreciate that you guys are actively getting those books in the hands of kids.
5: Absolutely, Uh, I did think up a couple questions. Oh, excellent! Um, I put I
2: put Ellen on the spot about a minute before the show started. I was like, (laughs) as the children's library director, you probably have some questions for Mo Willems, and you're going to ask them in two minutes on the (laughs) radio. I'm just so
0: so hoping that the first one isn't "Who are you?"
6: (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs)
5: it's not. No, Um, actually, the first one is inspired by my coworker Jeremiah. Hi,
0: Jeremiah. Something
5: that he's wondered. I know that when people read aloud to their kids, read with their kids. They do voices. Mm. And so I wanted to know if you had a voice for the pigeon in your own head when you're writing. Ah, This is uh, a great
2: question. question.
5: And what it might sound like. The the
0: best pigeon voice is yours. Oh. And it always will be.
6: <laughs> now ask me if Great I like question.
0: the, or the Mets. out answer. Uh,
6: but, but it really is
0: because here's the I, difference. I came from animation, and in animation we control everything. We control the voices. We control how long the cartoon is. We don't c- control how long you watch it, but we control how long it is. And with a book, you control none of that. I don't know how long it takes to read a pigeon book. Is it an hour, is it two minutes? That's out of my control. And the voice as well is out of my control. So all I have left is the ability to manipulate you. And the way that I manipulate you is by writing really big words or (laughs) really small words or bright colors or moving the words around. So while I do have a voice in my head, if I thought that's how the pigeon would sound, I would limit the book. Mm -hmm. So I am in partnership with you, the reader. I only make 49% of the book and you make that 51%. And part of that 51% is your voice.
1: Which is why it's not a cop-out answer, Monty. I guess you're right.
2: But, but how, does ha- how does it sound in your head?
1: When
0: we make animated cartoons, well, when we made the first doll, it had a voice, and I was like, oh, I always want to be the voice of a doll," and so I did that. And uh-huh. then when we make cartoons, it is my voice, only because I'm readily available and relatively cheap. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason. Um, I I love the idea that people put accents on it sometimes, and and sometimes not. I was. It's a long time ago, I created this character you know, a quarter century ago, but I really wanted to make sure the character wasn't necessarily gendered. And so it's, you know, the the pigeon's first name is The. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to read it with a degree of arrogance. But besides that, it really is open. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right. That was Ellen's question. Ellen Boy... Uh, excuse me. The uh, Children's Library and Ellen Lavoie's question for Mo Willems, New York Times, best-selling author and illustrator. We should probably take what we call a fake break because, A, this is public radio so we don't really have you know commercials and we're going to read the underwriting live.
1: We are indeed. But we
2: will tell you that after the underwriting we are going to have some live music from a member of the Silk Road Ensemble which was founded by none other than Yo-Yo Ma now under the directorship of Rhiannon Giddens, Maeve Gilchrist, the Scottish harpist, who will be playing at Antenna Cloud Farm tonight. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. And we're well, back, so you can clap back again. Welcome How easy it is to transition in public radio. So different.
1: Yeah. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. Playing tonight, but indoors at Antenna Cloud Farm, is Maeve Gilchrist. Originally from Edinburgh, but based in Brooklyn, Maeve's innovative approach to her instrument stretches the limits of what we know the... Harp is capable of. In addition to being a band leader and composer, Maeve is a member of the Silk Road Ensemble, Aruj Aftab's Vulture Prince Ensemble, progressive folk quartet duo-duo, and a project with Nashville-based bassist Victor
2: Kraus. She's appeared at such major music events as Celtic Connections in Glasgow, Tanglewood's Jazz Festival, the World Harp Congress in Amsterdam, and the historic opening of the Scottish Parliament. She's played with luminaries like Yo-Yo Ma, Esperanza Spaulding, Tony Trishka, Ambrose Musiri. How do I say that? Did I get it right? You're close. I got it close, says Maeve. Daryl Anger (laughs) and Kathy Matea.
1: Maeve has released five albums to date, including her most recent 2020 recording, The Harp Weaver, and has written several instructional books. Maeve is the co-artistic director of the new Rockport Celtic Roots and Branches Festival and the co-music director of WGBH's Christmas Celtic Shlo- Sojourn. Hey, we
2: work for WGBH. We sure do. Maeve, thank you so much for joining us. Should we start with some uh, song and then we'll chat a bit? Yeah, some
1: music. Wonderful! <laughs> Oh, so, so cool. That was
2: fantastic. That was the live harp sounds on live music Friday of Maeve Gilchrist, who is performing at Antenna Cloud Farm in Gil tonight. It was going to be outside. Now it's going to be inside. Two shows if Just you already have tickets. Safe. So don't, you know, don't think it's not happening because of the rain.
1: And do go see her because, really, like the things that she's able to do on harp are kind of amazing. When did you start playing harp? How did you come to start playing harp?
7: I started harp around eight years old um, My, I'm from Edinburgh, Scotland my mother's from Ireland and her sisters, two of her sisters are professional harp players my cousins are harp players it's kind of a we joke that it's a family affliction somebody needs to get a real <laughs> job at some point but um, I, I was inundated with music as a kid my dad's a music critic um, and my family were very involved in traditional music circles in Scotland so it was on my radar it wasn't an alien choice. And um, the beautiful thing about getting raised in a folk music family is from the moment that I was given a harp, I was playing music with other people. Uh, And I think this is the biggest gift of folk music, this social, a completely social art form. I mean, music simply exists as a way for one person to connect with the the next. So I didn't have the experience that some people um, imagine of a talented child practicing for hours by, I mean, I, I wouldn't have had the concentration, like, for it, you know, it, it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I, you know, started to realize the benefits of putting in the hours, but, but I loved playing, and I loved playing with people.
1: Do the other people in your family play it as percussively as you do? Because that was the first time I, seeing, I got to see Maeve Gilchrist play with Arouge Aftab at Big Ears. I swear to God, I will stop bringing this festival up but it is just so cool it's the thing the it's, best it's in Tennessee right yeah, yeah it's in yeah. Tennessee yeah and I saw you at a secret midnight show in a church and I'd never seen anyone play the harp like it was a drum or like it was almost like a t- tambourine does the rest of your plant family play the harp as percussively as you do
7: they you know they come from a different angle and my aunt in Galway Ireland Kathleen Lochnan, um she plays in in a more traditional way uh but in an incredibly beautiful and valuable way um she's kind of known for um her interpretation of the Irish baroque repertoire which is a, a very kind of unique uh repertoire of Irish music that developed separately to the music of the fiddles and the flute and everything so so she plays differently but, but, but actually her the levity that she brings to that music which can sometimes feel quite staid or interpreted in a more militant fashion she plays it with such lightness and joy and I, I hope that I inherited that from her and the rhythm thing I mean so, so when I was about 17 I moved to America in 2003 I moved to Boston to study at the Berklee College of Music I was getting very interested in improvisation and uh, through the lens, by the way, of traditional music. So so often people associate improvisation with the genre of jazz, um, of which it's a huge part. But um, in traditional music, in Irish and Scottish music, there's so much improvisation, melodic variation, ornamentational variation. um, uh, So I was kind of attracted to funkier chords and all that kind of thing, and it, you know, brought me... Down the jazz path, and I went to Berkeley College of Music. And when I arrived at Berkeley, I wasn't a harp major actually; I was a vocal major, which is I, I'm a very mediocre singer. And I realised very quickly that there's, you know, it was a bazillions of great jazz singers in the world, and I'd never be one of them. Um, but I, I dusted off the harp and started playing that more again and then they put you on
1: staff yeah it's true
7: but but what i realized as a harp player in that environment was there may be some harmonic limitations on the instrument but there's no rhythmic limitations and to me rhythm is what brings life to music it's it's the glue in collaborations of i can learn how to listen deeply and hear how this west coast jazz musician is laying back the beat or how in um uh in this scandinavian fiddle style there's a elasticity between the second and third beat it's like cracking a secret code and that code enabled me to go into collaborational settings with more confidence and play i think in a freer more musical way
2: we're speaking with Maeve Gilchrist, who will be just up the street from where we are right now, the brand new Greenfield Public Library, up the hill even, in Gill at Antenna Cloud Farm. Two shows indoors tonight because of the inclement weather we've been having. And we were joking before the show began that this is our 100th episode of the Fabulous 413, it is. but that you are the third, thank you, I wasn't thank you though. Uh but the three percent of the shows have included a professional harp player, and uh, <laughs> you happened to know the other two harp players because we've had, you're the third harp player that we've had on Rose, uh, Rosemary Kane, who is from our area here, That's and I'm sure friend. we'll be playing at this library sometime very soon. And then we had Larry and Joe, who have uh, from Larry from Venezuela originally, uh, who was at the Green River Festival. So it's a, a tight knit incredible heart-playing community, and we're very honored to have had so many of you on our very new show. Oh,
7: we're incredibly grateful. <laughs>
2: Do you have time for one more song before we let you go to sound yeah, check?
7: Certainly, uh,
2: yeah, Would you like to hear one more from Maeve Gilchrist? Of course you would. We're <laughs> listening to Live Music Friday on the Fabulous 413. Yep. And if a child gets emotional like they did last time in the middle of it, it's okay. I got emotional, too. Yeah, it's just such a beautiful instrument.
1: Before we let you go, you mentioned that this that is... That was Maeve Gilcrest, everybody, yes. playing at <laughs> Santa an Claus Farm and Gil tonight, live from the Greenfield Public Library and Live Music Friday. You mentioned when you came in that this is your travel harp, this is the one that flies with you. What are the other harps that you have? And how big are they? Because that one's like yeah, this one's four feet tall. <laughs> yeah,
7: well, well, actually, I, sorry, I'll... Thank you. <laughs> um, it, 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 my, my other harps are actually not that much bigger. This is... Um, all of my harps are made by a maker in Oregon called Thormalin Harps, and um, they're, they're really uh, about an inch taller, and uh, uh, this is kind of the typical size of the neo-Celtic, the new version of the Celtic harp, but for this one, they shaved off wood everywhere they could so it could fit underweight in the airplane, uh, <laughs> and they called it the MG model, which is very nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that.
2: Perfect. Does it count as carry-on, or do you got to check it?
7: No, oh yeah, I wish, no. <laughs> Maeve
2: Gilchrist, playing tonight at Antenna Cloud Farm. Hopefully you've already got your tickets. It's going to happen, two indoor shows, and you got to get to sound check. Thank you for being Thank part of much. Live Music Friday Thank
7: here in you. the grand
2: opening of the Greenfield Public Library.
7: An honor to be here. Yay. Thank you. I
2: think the first harp player in the new library, and hopefully not the last. <laughs> well, coming up, we're going to hear more from the library director. We'll hear from the new library director. We'll hear from the teen librarian. More from the children's librarian. We'll be Joined again by our special guest co-host for our live broadcast here, New York Times best-selling author and illustrator from Northampton, Mo Willems. And now we're gonna take another fake break where you all clap and then we read the underwriting. You're listening to the fabulous 413 on NEPN.
1: <laughs> and we're back. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to the fabulous four one three. I'm Del Dalmonte. and I'm Klee Smith, and we are joined
1: live at the Greenfield Public Library. Yes,
2: joined by a very special guest co-host, author and illustrator Mo Willems, and I would like to meet the brand new, uh, the incoming head librarian. Oh. oh, the microphone swung so far. <laughs> it, was was it was excited. It was excited, as we strange. all are. Anna Boniolo, is that how you say it? You
8: got it. One Italian wa- to another. I know, I didn't want to go too
2: full on <laughs> Italian. Some people, like to, they, they mute it. But uh, you and you are coming from where to be the new head librarian?
8: Here? So I have been working for the past six years at the Eagle Brook School, which is a boarding school for uh, middle school young men. In Deerfield, Massachusetts, and prior to that, I was at Springfield Technical Community College as a librarian as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Right
1: around the corner from my house.
2: Yeah, nice. <laughs> Great location. And we're, at, as we mentioned, at the brand new Greenfield Public Library, and we got to have a tour. Mo got the very brief tour, the rest of us for the Fabulous 4 and 3 got a little bit more extensive tour. Um, there's some incredible new things, technologies that are available here. What are some of the things that you're excited to show to the public that this library has to offer?
8: There are so many things, uh, so many things for so many different people and so many different needs. I have to say that what I have been the most uh, pleased to see is the number of our patrons who have mobility issues mm-hmm. who have been able to come in and uh, have this wide space, doors that open, and you know people that we don't necessarily see on the streets every day because it's hard to maneuver. The streets. So that's been really fantastic. Let um, me interrupt you right there real yes. quick
2: because the old library, which is literally right next door, mm-hmm. was built when George Washington was president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, would have had to been brought up to ADA code, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act code, mm-hmm. at a huge expense to the Greenfield taxpayer. Some Greenfield taxpayers thought, well, then that's what we should do. We shouldn't build a new library. But... It seemed to others to say there are grants available. The state will help us if we do this now. Um, And so ADA was a huge part of why this had to happen, right?
8: Absolutely. There was uh, handicap access in the former building. But uh, speaking with a patron yesterday who said it was just so hard for her to maneuver that entrance to get into the library, that it's been many years since she's been to the public library. Wow. And Mm. she was so excited yesterday to be able to actually come back in so that's fantastic um there the technology is amazing we still have some kinks that we have to you know work out
1: but that we still have screens that aren't here but be exactly yeah, we exactly. moved into a new building exactly. like eight
2: weeks ago and it we're still, still working doesn't the work. kinks.
8: exactly <laughs> patience technology is fantastic but it also requires patience and we have of course our wonderful print collection Uh, We have wonderful artwork. We're representing local artists. I'm really excited to join forces with other nonprofit organizations, finding ways in which we can collaborate together to really make this a community uh, uh, offering for everyone.
2: I think sometimes the question that people have is, everything's available on the Internet. You can get any book delivered right to your house. You You can read most of the books right on your laptop computer. Um, maybe a question for you first, Mo. Why are libraries, buildings, brick-and-mortar spaces still important? Oh, they're can ask- always
0: important. I mean, you know, there, there's the vibe of it, and there is a question really. The algorithm gives you what you want. What books and libraries and bookstores do is they give you what you don't know you want yet. There's no way to discover and to really fully become who you are if a robot is telling you more of things that you may have liked or accidentally said you
6: liked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And
0: there's also a huge amount of importance in community. And particularly when you're talking about kids' books, you know, to see... If you're a little kid and you see the big kids reading, that's cool. If you're a big kid and you see the grown ups reading, that's cooler. Yeah. It's a cool space to be in. And this is actually a cold space to be in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You've got the put AC working. At least that technology
6: <laughs> seems to
0: be fully working. It's the in part filming. of
1: absolutely. the library services when you open in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have the AC running. But that's important I, too. I mean, it yeah, really becomes a, a cooling
2: center for absolutely. people that might not be able to escape absolutely. the heat. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think absolutely.
8: equity is a huge part you were saying everything's available online well we have people who don't have phones who don't have internet who don't have the funds to have either of those and the library provides a real even playing field to everyone so i think that is really important and definitely Being in a space, even if you're not someone who loves reading, but being surrounded by books, by culture, by people who are reading, there are studies out there, particularly in the school librarian world, that say being surrounded by this environment can help take that into the future for yourself and you might discover it down the road.
1: And that community even if you're not reading like there's classes at the library absolutely. And if you, if you have a laptop and you're thinking about using it like there are programs through the library that you can access on your laptop without coming in like say that Absol- you can oh, so actually many things. access the library for whatever reason, like you can still get online and participate and use their services. It's wonderful. I love to
8: say that the pandemic was one of the best things that could have happened for librarians and libraries because it showed the world that we have so many resources not inside of a building, but that you can access from the comfort of your own home. To be clear, though, as... I'm,
0: I'm anti-pandemic. Uh, Me too. Yes, definitely, I
8: wouldn't Mo- like to see it happen again, but yeah. I do think that as as professionals, folks realized how much they could get from us just by going online and applying for an e-card. They had access to e-books, to audio books, to uh, our, our film platforms, Hoopla Canopy, Magazines—it was all there, simply by applying for an e-card. So that's pretty easy. And they also have laptops
2: that you can like borrow that to use. That was the coolest thing. You put your <laughs> library card in a like a, a vending Kiosk. machine, and a laptop pops out that you can use in. In the library, so there's mm-hmm. also the regular like terminal mm-hmm. computers that people. That sounds like mm-hmm. you're going to die, but maybe they eventually. We will. also mm-hmm. have yeah,
8: hotspots that we lend to go outside of the library. So, so if, you, have, if yeah. you are someone who doesn't have access to Wi-Fi from home, you can borrow one of the hotspots as well. That's a very great program that's offered across the state as well. That's through is, your public library. There you go.
2: And oh, uh,
0: great. And I would say, like, I mean, the, ultimately, the library is like the subway. Right? Everybody's there and you get to really see and experience different people and be with different people. And that sense of community is great. I, I, I live in Northampton. I'm in the Northampton Library a couple times a week. It's always a great vibe.
2: When I was coming in for the very first time, I was getting all emotional, first of all, just seeing it. And my neighbor from my neighborhood in Turner's Falls, I said, what do you think? He was, out, he was coming out of the library. I said, what do you think of the brand new library? He's like, it's, it's less about the books. And it's more about having created a space for community. There's a space upstairs. You know, the fact that teens were involved in the creation of the teen library. Um, that's what I think is important about libraries. And, and why, as you know, to be uh, opinionated about this, it's an important investment in a community to make a library happen.
8: Absolutely. And I know a few people who are writers, and they've already been using our new study rooms to sit in there and create. So and it's only things been open are, for a day. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's things right. are being born within these walls as well. That's
2: it's a very correct. exciting time. Well we're talking to the uh, new head librarian or the incoming head librarian of the Greenfield Public Libraries, Anna Boniolo, <laughs> as well as our very special guest co host of the Fabulous 413 today, New York Times bestselling author and illustrator from Northampton, Mo Willems. We have to take Another fake break, but we're going to talk more with uh, the librarians. We're going to talk to the teen librarian. We're going to talk to borrowers' services. And we're going to uh, celebrate this investment in the community that is the Greenfield Public Library.
1: Indeed. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. (laughs) The Fabulous 413 is funded by the University of Massachusetts. Amherst United around... (laughs) That sounded weird. Let's try that again. Take two. Hey. The Fabulous 413 is funded by the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, united around a vision of excellence and access to public higher education. Learn more at umass.edu. Sorry, UMass. That didn't sound any different. (laughs)
2: But we still appreciate the support. We sure do. And as we just mentioned 15 seconds ago. You're listening to The Fabulous <laughs> 413 on NEPM. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. And we are at the brand new Greenfield Public Library on Main Street. will encourage
1: better reading habits for me, perhaps, <laughs> in the future.
2: Khalees is an avid reader. I do. And, you know, reading out loud is its skill in and of itself. And you do great you on both fronts, I think, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: The poetry was easier than all of the other things we have here. We started out
2: the show with a beautiful poem that talked about the importance of libraries to people. It was called Because of Libraries, We Can Say These Things, a poem by uh, Naomi Shihab Nye. And I think another important thing to talk about that's worth noting is, and Mo, you maybe can speak to this too, um, libraries have been coming under pressure from political forces about what to include, what not to include. right. Um, have you, as an author, been subjected to any of these? Oh, and, sure. And,
0: Every, everybody has.
2: Really? Every,
0: everybody has. Tell
2: me absolutely.
1: about your experience with... I,
0: You know, it's it's not complicated. It's just silly. And that's really all there is to say, say about any of this. Uh, books have power. That is absolutely true. And to be afraid of the idea that there are as many different types of books as there are different types of people is
2: wrong.
1: That's it, there we go. Period,
2: as the kids say these days. Yep. Let's talk with the teen librarian, and I think this may be one of the, um, the, the battlefronts about censorship and free speech and ideas and thought that you'll have to face here at the Greenfield Public Library. And another fun name to pronounce in Italian, Francesca Basilia. Here I am. Hi. <laughs> the teen section will li- absolutely be a space for just teens as of Monday. I will not be allowed in there. Right?
9: No, you can come in and you can browse the books, but you can't sit on the chairs
2: Aha. and you can't use the games. <laughs> Tell us about why that is a, a decision that you've made in the creation of the library.
9: Well, it's really important for us to have a a space just for teens to relax and be themselves and feel supported. It's something that we don't really have in downtown Greenfield. I grew up in Greenfield, so I can tell you for many years we haven't had anything like this. Um, In the old library we had a space at the end of the adult stacks, um, but it wasn't private. I was constantly going back there and telling people, you got to move, you can't sit here. And they'd say, why? I don't see any teens. And I was like, yeah, exactly, because you're sitting there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and what else are you excited about that's in that particular space? We heard from Ed Berlin earlier, who's on the board of the trustees and was helpful. It was part of the creation of the building about the window seat that Bart's child was. Uh, the, the teens advised they wanted a window seat. Tell us about that.
9: Right. Um, yeah. So. Um, Uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was tasked with putting together a teen advisory board, um, to weigh in on the teen room because we realized if we design the room, we might miss something or a lot. We don't quite know what the teens want. Um, so we put a call out and I tried to not just get the regular teens that have always come to the library, but to get sort of a broader group because I really wanted to know what could get kids into the library. And there were adults, um, several school teachers and school librarians involved. We met every other week for almost a year on Zoom. Um, The teens created all kinds of surveys and surveyed their classmates and their friends. And then we met with the architect, we met with the library director, uh, we met with the furniture committee, we met with the donors who helped to fund the teen room. Um, We did makerspace activities virtually to try and get an idea of what we might wanna see in the makerspace. And so really, I'm just here as a spokesperson for the teens. And the last year, I spent um, really really going back and looking at my notes and saying, this is wrong, we need to change it because this isn't what the teens asked for, and really really advocating for them.
2: And I saw, while I was up there very briefly, some of the controversial books that we've mentioned before, some of the books that are being banned in other places across the country, even one written by our friend Mike Curato from Northampton uh, Flamer, which was... uh, it's a, a LGBTQ camp story, and it was right there prominently displayed in that teen section. It, are those the kind of books that the teens are not afraid to check out from of previously? Of course yeah. not.
9: No, and it's so important for us to have those books for teens and to f- have teens feel um, seen and heard. And And I do everything I can to keep those books on our shelves. And so far, nobody's contested any of our books but I might have just jinxed myself. Um, <laughs> I think it also you know.
1: speaks to like the importance of having that space specifically for them, like if you don't feel comfortable taking this home, like you have a space here in the library where you can feel comfortable to to read it and like on your own time, at your own pace, like at your own comfort level, and that's just incredibly important. And
2: no sketchy middle-aged men like me are sitting in your seats. Yeah, Please Uh, don't be that person. No, it's
9: okay. I love asking you to leave. It's not a problem.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's really wonderful,
1: isn't it?
2: That's Francesca Basilia, the teen librarian here at the brand new Greenfield Public Library.
1: it yourself sometime <laughs> we talked about
2: checking books out of the library and i'm assuming that's what you do jeremiah rude from borrower services
10: that is kind of what that's one of the things that i do yeah we borrower services is really kind of like circulation uh-huh so yes we yeah. have reference staff who help you answer questions and then we have circulation staff that help you take books out and do different things so i'm i'm in charge of working on some of the adult programming that we offer. Uh-huh. So. This summer we're working on, speaking at, we're working on a, we're part of the the Summer Scares Program, which is a, a book, the Ho- Horror Writers Association created a list of books that um, they suggest you read, and they're scary. Khalees
2: immediately perked up.
10: And, it, <laughs> and I'll tell you why they're scary, because they're about things like, racism, oh, racism is scary. class yeah. and geopolitics. Oh, my. So these things are like the true fear. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a true coward when it comes to books. So like, there's not a lot of blood in them, but there is a lot to be afraid of. Oh, yeah. So like if you give it a shot. So um, we have a little display up there. Um, I think that our area, um, the adults didn't get a fancy room, but we did get some of the best views in the library. We We have a reading room on the top left part of the building and then some of the best views in the back of the building.
2: Um, I should mention there's also a balcony that looks yeah, beautiful out there, that. and there's parking behind the library that I didn't know about. I parked my electric car and plugged it in Ooh. back there. Currently free, everybody, yep. so take advantage <laughs> of it while you <laughs> I can. I don't know
10: if you should tell everybody, but yes, that is in <laughs> fact <laughs> true. But late. it won't be forever, and it's then an someday.
2: The <laughs> <Yeah. That's, laughs> but yeah. Jeremiah Rood from Borrower Services here at the brand-new Greenfield Public Library. We've only got a couple minutes left. But if you do have more questions for New York Times best-selling author and illustrator Mo Willems, either for the children's librarian or Jeremiah, who came up with that excellent question before about the, the voice the, of the, the, voice the, the pigeon in your head. But other things, Mo, that you think are important about why libraries as, as structures should be something as part of the fabric of a community.
0: It's absolutely gonna be the center of a community. And I was just now thinking what, one of the things that I love about this whole area is I can go to any library and check out a book and I can return a book and I do do that. I dabble and experiment with other libraries. Um, I'll be very open about that. We do have a
2: C.W. Mars system. And I've got my
0: library card, um, which has an elephant and piggy drawing on it. I'm very excited about it. Did you draw it? Yeah, I did. No, it's yes. (laughs) You didn't
2: just draw it by hand on your own card? (laughs) Yes. I I mean, you could. I
0: could. I could. It would be slightly off model now. My hand isn't what it used to be. Uh. No, but so now I'm here... And this is exciting. And now I get to walk around and I get to look and see what the competition is writing and check it out in the kid, from the kids' room. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to read any horror books, but I'm a big nonfiction guy. So I'm going to go and check out your nonfiction stuff. I know. Section. The first
2: book I'm going to get is The Biography of Bruce Lee, A Life by Matthew Polly. I've got it right here on the desk. So i it. take it to borrower services or he circulation. He had to yeah.
1: like, se- secure it so that nobody else took it before he got it. <laughs> we, we only have a
2: minute left of the show. Anybody have one last question for Mo Willems from the, the Greenfield librarians? Well, secure it. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Well, the microphone has wandered away again. Excellent.
5: As far as I'm aware, the books of Elephant and Piggy – are one entity and the pigeon is another entity. Do they live in the same universe? Wow. Oh, Have I they met? This. Children's you're librarian, Helen
0: Lavoie. You're asking the about the Moverse, yes. are you?
2: The Movil cinematic universe.
0: I will tell you, we just I'm just now working with a company that we are putting together and figuring out all the different ways beyond just books and bobbleheads that the MOVERS <laughs> can uh, exist. It's, The acronym is HPC. It's called the Hidden Pigeon Company.
2: Oh, oh, you Um, heard it here first. So those
0: are the discussions that when I'm not on local radio stations at local libraries, we are discussing the MoVerse, And I'm so glad that you're interested in the idea of there being one.
2: That is the creator of the MoVerse, Mo Willems. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for being here as part of our broadcast live from the fabulous 413 at the Greenfield Public Library. Next week, we'll take you to Jacob's Pillow in Beckett, and we'll take you to Double-Edge
1: Theater. And talk to the new Rural Affairs Director, Ann Gobi.
2: And a huge thank you to our engineer, Bart Rankin, and to Betsy Cordes, who says, libraries make me want to retire so I can spend my day at a library. She's not wrong. We'll see you on Monday on the Fabulous 413.